Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. The Lord has had me uh, studying something this week, and I, I have to give Bill Johnson some credit for uh, sparking uh, a question in in me. Uh, I listened to a message that he gave a few weeks ago uh, with a. I, I love the titles of his messages. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll, I'll get that good at titling messages. Uh, it was Making Demons Homeless was, <laughs> was the name of the message. <laughs> and uh, I mean, you've got to listen to a message when you see that title. Uh, but uh, there, there was something that he said in the message that, that really... Uh, sparked something in me, and uh, he fully admitted that that he didn't have uh, an idea of how this worked or a full scriptural understanding of even the principle behind it. But he stipulated that our thinking releases some kind of spiritual uh, power or authority. And, you know, I, I think part of the principle there is, is that the enemy, he has no authority on the earth. He, he has some power, but he has no authority. And until he can get human beings who have authority to agree with him, that he doesn't have authority to do anything. But when we begin to agree with what the enemy is putting in our minds, then we, we begin to give authority, ground, to the source of those thoughts. So, what he was saying really is uh, we've got to be careful what we allow our mind to dwell on and and I, I think that's that's very clear biblically and it, it led me to to this Greek word phroneo that I uh, spent some time with this week, and it, it is—it's to exercise the mind, to entertain or have sentiment or opinion, to be mentally disposed to something more or less earnestly, to interest oneself in, to set the affection on to savor, to regard, to think. 
And this, this is a very important Greek word for us to understand, I believe. Because where we set our mind determines where we go and what we do. It, it determines who we're in agreement with and it, it determines sometimes whether or not the things that God desires to happen on the earth will indeed happen. Now, he's big enough and smart enough and powerful enough that if one of us does not agree with him, he will find someone else. And his large purposes on the earth will take place. But the question is, will, will you and I receive the reward of having lived a life with our mind set on the things of God and releasing authority and activity in the spiritual realm that is consistent with his kingdom and allowing, that, that may be a better word than causing, but allowing his kingdom to move forward because of us, because of who we are. So, a little bit of groundwork, you know, as, as those who have been born again, we, we are in Christ and he is in us. We are not him and he does not become us. We, we, we still are a person. But the Spirit of God is within us and, and we, we have not given up our, our free will when the Spirit of God comes to, to dwell within us. So this, it, it's not automatic is what I'm saying that the things that God wants to happen in our life will happen. It, it takes us coming into agreement with Him for the timing and the right things to happen in our lives. And again, uh, I'm not going to fully develop the, the idea of the difference between our free will and the sovereignty of God because as we talked about last week, we know that he who began the good work will bring it to completion because he, he does in his wisdom and power have ways to bring us into agreement with him. But there are things that we will miss out on if we have our mind set not on the right things. And it, it surprised me uh, the number of times that, that this particular Greek word happens in, in the New Testament. I, I forgot to write down the number of times, but 
Paul uses this word frequently. And, and he has numerous admonitions for us about what we are thinking about. What we are setting our minds on. And, and part of the context that, that I want to give for this message is... Uh, what I, I think is, is probably one of the most significant things, maybe the most significant thing that the Lord ever spoke to me. And he woke me up in the middle of the night a couple years ago, and, and he just, he dropped this thing on me. And I've told you what it was before, but we, we need to keep coming back to this because he keeps bringing me back to this because I'm not there yet, and we as a body are not there yet. And that thing was that the world is changed when God raises up a people who are more interested in seeing him, God, get what he wants than we are in getting what we want. That is when the world is changed. When, when God raises up a people who are more interested in God getting what he wants on the earth than they are interested in what they individually want for themselves. That, and and what, I, what I think happened this week is that the Lord gave me a key to that happening. And... And the key is, is this word. It's, it's this Greek word. What? And, and I, I remember a couple years ago, I, I gave a message on resetting the home page of your mind. Back when we uh, spent almost a whole year on looking at wholeness of body, soul, and, and spirit. And... This, it's, it's, I think, in our technological age, a good way of thinking about what, what this word means. What, when, when your mind just comes on, where, where does it automatically go? When, when you wake up in the morning or when you finish a task, you... You, you get to where you were driving and now your mind is free to go somewhere else. You're not driving anymore. Uh, where, where does it just naturally go? Does it, does it go to God and the things that He desires or, or is it filled with the minutia of the day or is it filled e even with some sinful thing that, that may have a hold of you? Uh, where where is, is your mind going? And so I, I want us to look at some passages where, where this word is used today uh, to, to see how important this, this idea is uh, to the Lord. 
So I, I want to start with the first use of, of the word, and it's in Matthew 16. This is a, a fairly long passage, but to get the whole context of the use of the word, I think we've got to look at at least these 14 verses. So Matthew 16, starting in, in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And it's kind of ironic that, that Jesus would wait until they get to Caesarea Philippi to ask this question. Be, because this is a very ungodly place, Caesarea Philippi. It was a, a seat of idol worship, uh, a, a place where any good Jew would not even go. It, it was that bad. And, and so, so Jesus goes to the place in, in the midst of all this demon worship and idolatry. And he, he asks this most important question that, that he ever asked his students. Who, who do the people say that I am? Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. So, that's, that's a great answer. Peter is at, at, at the height of his uh, self-importance before the Lord. Uh, <laughs> this, he, he understood that this was a really important question, and he got the right answer. And, and he was the only one who, who said the right answer. And again, I... It's significant that this conversation is happening in this really dark place because it's usually in a very dark place where we have to answer that question. Who, when, when we get down there, Jesus asks, who, who am I? And, and we, we in our souls, we human beings ask, God, if, if you're really there, I, I got to know, because if you're not and this is it, then I'm at the end. But we got to keep on with, with the passage. In verse 18, And I tell you that you are Peter... And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound 
in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. And at least to me, that's one of the strangest statements in, in the New Testament. Uh, at least it was when I was a, a young believer. I thought, well, well, they finally figure it out, and now he tells them not to tell anybody. But we've we got to go back to another Greek word here, because uh, th- this one's also important, and we may not even get to it today. But Jesus said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And it's interesting, the, the Greek word that he used there was ekklesia. And in, in the Greek, that, that had an interesting usage. Uh, in, in the Greek form of government, the, the ecclesia were, were the people who had the right to vote on their representatives in, in government. So, Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to, on, on this truth, on, on the truth of the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, I'm, I'm going to build an ecclesia for the earth. A, a people on whom the government will rest. Now, we, we have our own ideas about government and about politics, and the enemy would love to get our minds, our thinking, focused on natural things, things of, of the earth, political things. I'm, I'm telling you the government of America, the true government of America, is not in Washington, D.C. It's not a president and 100 senators and 435 representatives. It is the praying, surrendered church of Jesus Christ. And if our government is, is not our natural government, is not doing what it should do, is not going in the direction that it should be going, then the true government needs to pray more. Because we... We've got to have this understanding of, of where true government is. Now, most of you, if you're born-again followers of Jesus, you, you would agree that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, right? He, he is not waiting to reign, Correct? He, he is reigning now. 
and his, his kingdom is coming forth more and more. But the thing is, his kingdom still on the earth is a voluntary kingdom. And it moves forward as, as the people of God agree with him and come under his rule and reign and do what he wants. When, when we don't, it doesn't move forward. In fact, sometimes it looks like it's retreating. But Jesus, who, who is King of kings and is Lord of lords and has the unshakable kingdom on the earth, is ruling by doing this. Praying. Because he always lives to intercede for us. And, and that is a revelation that, that we have got to have. That the true government, the true ecclesia of the earth is, is ruled from the place of prayer. And, and the, the true ecclesia that Jesus said he would build moves forward from that place of prayer and, and we have to choose to enter into it. After Jesus warned his disciples not to tell them that he was the Christ, picking up in verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and be, must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. See, Peter found himself in this new place of leadership after having given the right answer to a very important question. And now he thinks he can rebuke God. So he says, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. And this is where that word comes in. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. It is not automatic that we, as born-again followers of Jesus, are in agreement with God. When we set our minds on things of this world, we find ourselves at odds with God. This, this is not a unique instance in the New Testament. It's, it's a unique instance in the New Testament that we see someone going from stating the greatest revelation ever given to human beings to being at odds with God 
in just a few short moments. But it can happen. Where have we got our minds set? And then I believe Jesus gives us some keys because Jesus does not like to give us instruction or give us the right thing to do and then not tell us how to get there. Okay? (laughs) So he, he doesn't just say, get behind me, Satan, Peter. Then he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what he has done. And I I think he gives us some key truth in, in those few statements. You know, we, we can, even as born-again believers, we can live our entire life with our minds set on natural things, on our things. And there, there, there is no reward for the things that we do that are all about our things. And, and Jesus is, is going to reward us for what we've done. And the things that he, he will actually reward us for are those things that we have done from a mindset on what God wants. And I'm I'm telling you that the church of Jesus Christ in the United States is not very good at placing our mind on the things that God wants. I mean, I've spent a lot of time in church I've spent a lot of time in leadership in different churches before we planted this one. And I've seen a whole lot of worship services where the minds of those who were in charge were not tuned in at all to what was important to God. They had their own plan of what was going to happen when and how it was all going to go. And the mind, the heart, was focused entirely on the plan. And 
And I'm telling you, God's not pleased with that. Now we, here, we, we try really hard to be focused in the moment during the service to what, God, what are you doing? What, what are you saying? What, what do you want now? And, and this, this causes our worship services to appear somewhat less planned, which they are <laughs> less planned. We, we, we want God to get what he wants. But even as, as far as we have come, in, in that, because I, I, I am not trying to tell you that we are there. E- even in the midst of hearts that really desire that, it still is an effort, it is a struggle to keep our minds focused on what God wants. And not what we think should happen next. So, we, we are in a learning curve that, that we may never get out of. And I guess, you know, if, if you've not been struggling with this, I, I invite you into the struggle. Because it is where we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be in this tension. And Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and all these other things will be taken care of. That's another way of saying what he's saying here about setting our minds on what God wants. See, Peter's problem was that he, he had his mind set on the wrong thing. He had his mind set on things in the natural. He, he had just possibly made himself the preeminent disciple because he, he got the right answer to the most important test question yet posed. And, and he now was... See, where his mind was, it was working rapidly. Oh, this is great. I'm, I'm the top guy now. I'm going to be right next to God at the seat of power. And then Jesus says, yeah, and all these bad things are going to happen to me, and then they're going to kill me. And Peter says, well, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be right next to you in, in power and authority. You, we, we're not going to let them kill you. What will happen to me? He, he didn't really care that much about Jesus, and that, that may be a little strong, but he was concerned about his own position. In the ecclesia, see, he understood what that meant, and he was excited about Jesus saying he was going to set up his own ecclesia, his own seat of government on the earth. And Peter thought he had the number two spot. 
So we, we got to go on because Paul has a lot to say about where, where we set our minds. And, you know, I'm, I'm not kidding about inviting you into the struggle of realizing where your mind is set and trying to get it set more on what God wants. But I, I, will, I will tell you <laughs> this. I, I think I'm supposed to tell you this. When, when I started to just spend, and this, this happened a few months ago, I, I started to just spend a, a few minutes a day, okay, God, I, I want to think about what you want in Cheyenne. I just want to spend some time. This before I heard this message from Bill Johnson. This is months ago, and I started to do that. And something has come against my available time to to such a degree that I have found the greatest difficulty just even spending five minutes doing that with God a day. But I think it's a valuable thing for not only me to do, but for all of us to do. Because when, when you hear what Paul has to say about this, you know, he, he's going to step on our toes. So let's go. Romans chapter 8. Starting in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, or according to the world, according to natural things, set their minds, there's that word again, Phronio. They set their minds on the things of the flesh, the things of the world, natural things, what, what they want. But those who are or live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mind set, that, there's that word again, on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. For it is not even able to do so. Oof. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And who's Paul writing to here? Yeah, he's not writing to a bunch of pagans. 
He's writing to the church. And that's why Jesus said what he said to Peter. He, he used, I mean, think about this, what Jesus said to Peter. He used about the strongest possible language that he possibly could have. He didn't say, Peter, you are wrong. Now shut up. He said, get behind me, Satan. To this guy who had been with him for the last three years and given up his business. and So, do you think this is a big deal? See, Paul, Paul is writing this to you and me. And he's saying, when your mind is just full of your own stuff, you cannot please God. When, when your mind is, is just full of things of this world and natural things, it's impossible for you to please God. It, it's not just unlikely. He, he says it's impossible. Ooh. And, and that is religion. Because religion is all about natural ways to make ourselves pleasing to God, to get God to like us. So even a lot of those really good-looking things that we can do that are just out of trying to manipulate God or move God in some natural, fleshly way, those things are hostile toward God. And there's no reward for them. See, that, this is why I think this is a, a key. This, this word is, is a key to the kingdom. It, it is a, a key to us having some kind of reward for eternity. It's, it's a key to the kingdom moving forward. We, we cannot allow our minds to be set only on the things of this world and our own stuff. God wants to bring us into more. He actually wants us to think about him and his stuff what he wants. And, you know, like, like I said, I, I'm, I'm inviting you in, into this struggle with me. Because I, I have good days and bad days in setting my mind on, on the things of God versus setting my mind on my own stuff. 
yesterday. We had a guy here at, at Higher Grounds Coffee. He wasn't actually here at the vineyard, but he, he was here to, to meet me and some others who'd been raised from the dead. If you've seen the movie, the video, The Finger of God, you've seen this guy. And I was too busy. I was too busy to discern what God was doing at that moment. As my mind was full of the things that I thought I needed to get done. And I don't know what I missed. I don't know what we missed. But I have a sense, something. What else does Paul have to say about this? He uses this word... In Romans 12:3, to encourage us toward humility. He uses this word in Romans 15, verse 5, to encourage us toward unity. And, and herein is is the key toward unity. When the people of God come together and we have our minds focused, our minds set on the things of God and what He's doing, we will automatically be in unity. Automatically. We, we won't even have to work at it. It is the only way that we come into full and complete unity. By setting our minds on the things of the Spirit, as Paul said in Romans 8. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, He says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. And in Philippians, Paul has more to say about this. In chapter 2, he he talks about that unity thing again. And in verse 5, he says, Have this attitude, which again is that same word, 
have this attitude or this mindset in yourselves which was also seen in Christ Jesus to look out for the interests of, of others referring back to the previous verse and in Philippians 3.15 he says let us therefore as many as are mature have this attitude or there's that word again this mindset if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. Thank you, Lord. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame. And who are those people? The ones who set their mind on earthly things. Oof. You thought he was going to say they were something really bad, right? But, but those are just the people who set their mind on earthly things. Those are the ones whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame. Boy. But then in, later on in chapter 4, He gives us a little instruction to help us. He says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, there's that word again. Meditate or set your mind on these things. And the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. And then finally he gives a little instruction in, in 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 16, about how our relationships are supposed to work in, in the church. Because <laughs> it, it's, it's that same word again. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. So from now on, we regard or we think about no one from a worldly point of view though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We think about each other in the church now according to the Spirit. Not according to the old way that we used to think about everything. And, you know, I, I am really thankful 
to, to be part of this body because I, I want to give a word of encouragement because I, I think we do better at this than any other church I, I have seen at regarding each other according to the Spirit. That, that when we have conversations together, the vast majority of the time, it is about God and the things of God and spiritual things. And it's not about football games and politics and uh, whatever other things of the flesh can occupy our minds. So I, I want to say good job. Keep it up. But this is... You know, I, I, I guess I want to leave you with a what if. And, and I want you to pray with me about this because I, I really think this is something that the Lord wants to do in our city. Um, what if God actually raised up his ecclesia, his government, in Cheyenne? his church in such a way that we actually went to the city, to the mayor and the city council and we said you know we some of the elders of the city would do this we, and we, we would ask what could the church do to make Cheyenne a better place? Or what are the key problems that you're facing that the church could do something about? This, this happened not very far away from here. Uh, Vineyard pastor in Aurora, Jay Pathak, is a friend of mine. He and, and some of the other pastors got together and they actually did that. And, and the mayor was, was so blown away, he came and he, he spoke at their next pastor's meeting. And... You know, he, he came as a politician with a prepared speech and everything else. And he, he started into his speech and, and he said, you know, if, if the people of Aurora could just help their neighbors when they need help. It would make this so much better of a place to live. And it would stop so many problems before they got big enough to need intervention. Do you think you could do anything 
about that. And my friend Jay said, and and that was, it was very ironic to have the mayor of the city talking to a group of pastors asking us if we maybe could get our people to start obeying the second commandment. What if? Would you pray with me that that will happen? Because I believe the Lord is calling me to see that happen. As some of the relational fruit from among the pastors from the Convoy of Hope Outreach, I think we're in a place where that could happen. So pray with me. And consider starting to do that now. Loving our neighbors as ourselves. That's what the mayor asked them to do. <laughs> the mayor had to come and preach to the preachers to get the church to do <laughs> what the church is called to do. It, it takes us getting our mind out of our own stuff for a while and getting it on God and what he wants and what other people might need. So I, I want to pray for us because I, I, I know we all have some repenting to do in this regard. Father, thank you for your word that cuts deep. to the dividing of soul and spirit. And uh, God, we, we come to you as people who've had our minds set on our own stuff, on the world, on what we want way too much. Forgive us. Just confess to the Lord right now. Lord, when you say those who have their minds set on the things of this world cannot please you, that, that, that's, that's not okay with us. So help us to set our minds on you and what you want. 
and open our eyes to what other people need, even our physical neighbors. And Lord, I, I ask you to set this thing up with the mayor and maybe the city council and that you'd raise up your ecclesia in this city. Establish your government in this city. And let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name. For his glory. Amen. So, be careful what you set your mind to this week. Reset your homepage. <laughs> Even do it on your computer, I'm serious. Reset your homepage to something that's going to take your mind to the things of God. Seriously. <laughs>